Grab your Bible, and we are in uh, week three of a series that, uh, that we called, ready? How many know? Without fail. That's, you guys are doing great. At home, put in the chat, without fail. Listen, if you're watching at home, you get in the chat. We have team members there. You make that your church. Like if you're, if you're on Facebook today, that's your building, and that chat is your church, all right? YouTube, all the same, whatever platform, the app or website, wherever you're watching. All right, so without fail, put in the chat, without fail. And we're talking about, this is my burden in this series, is that, that I want to convince, I don't know if I need to convince you, but I want to make sure you understand there's a way to build a life that will withstand whatever is thrown against it. Whatever comes against you, you can stand. There's a way to live. There's something you can base your life on that will not fail. And so we're actually talking about the word of God, God's word to us, it will not fail. And so we're going to be in uh, Matthew chapter seven. And I told you this, I I hope, please, please go back to the last two messages um, in this series. If you have missed it, or if you're just here today, or you're a guest, or you're just finding us online, go back to the last two messages because they, I promise you, I mean, obviously I think this because I shared the information, it's helpful. I mean, that's all I really want to do at this point in my life, just try to help some people, right? I just want to help some people, and those things will help you. It's also, it will also, both of those messages have, have pieces and parts in there that help you understand why we do believe in the whole Word of God and why it is true, even though there's a lot in culture that is attacking the Word of God. It, it will help you in your faith um, to shore up those areas, if you will. And so, but, but today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. And this was the message, because I told you this, sometimes like when, when you get uh, an idea, or I get an idea, and I have a burden, and I want to share something with you that that um, I'll start somewhere, and then like a like a series on Netflix, I got to figure out well where do we actually have to start, and where do we actually have to finish, and I start designing the episodes like weeks in order so they all kind of just work together as as. I'm trying to relay to you what I feel like God wants to talk about. And so this was the message I actually started with. I was like, if I could just get you to understand this. Now, the other two messages are, are really good, but left in the series as we're leading up to Easter. But, but I thought, this is where I started. I'm like, oh God, I didn't even understand this. And it's, it's by far the simplest message. By far the simplest. And so uh, Matthew chapter seven, um, this is the conclusion of what is known as the Sermon on the Mount, which is the greatest sermon ever preached. Um, it was by Jesus, obviously. It is so rich in content. It was revolutionary in that uh, when Jesus brings the Sermon on the Mount, it brings a new perspective and a new lens in that the law is all focused on how we look on the outside. Religion is very focused on how we look on the outside, right? But according to Jesus, we can look good on the outside and still be dead on the inside. That's why Jesus did not come to make bad people behave better. He came because dead people needed to be resurrected, right? He came to give us life. That's the problem Jesus was trying to solve. And and so the Sermon on the Mount starts talking about the inside of us. And so it's this discourse, uh, it's the longest of his um, teaching discourses uh, in the Bible. It lasts uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Uh, the backdrop, if you will, for this teaching, he's on the Mount of Beatitudes. Thus, we call, you know, the, part of it the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, blessed are the merciful. Um, and so the, he is actually on the Mount of Beatitudes. The backdrop would have been uh, the Sea of Galilee and the Jordan River Basin. That's important for where we're going. And so in, in Matthew 7, verse 24, this is the last illustration, if you will, 
um, that he shares in this. This is the very end. This is the caboose, if you will, of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 7, 24 says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, somebody say practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came and the stream rose and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall without fail because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the stream rose, the, fl- the, the winds blew, and it beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. One version said, and great was its fall. So Jesus right here, he's telling us, he said, I'm, I'm gonna tell you how you can build a life that will stand. You can build it on something that will not fail, or you can build it on things that will fail. And so I call this message, you can write this down, you put it in the chat. I call this message, practice makes permanent. Practice makes permanent. Um, Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much, God, that you're in this room with us. And God, today we didn't gather to, to hear the words of a man or even just to read some words from a book, but God, we have opened your words And we're asking that your spirit speak to us words of life. God, that transform us, that stabilize us, that support us, that secure us. God, your word cannot fail. God, help us to build our lives on it today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So um, I played sports in high school. Um, number one question I get asked because, well, it's kind of interesting. I say I'm tall. You may not realize I'm tall if you haven't stood next to me, uh, because apparently the number one, when I, when I see people like if they're in here or even at a restaurant and they've been here, the first thing they say is, I didn't realize you were that tall, which I would think the platform would make me even taller, but whatever. I'm tall is the point. And, um, and so the number one question I get asked is, did you play basketball? Uh, to which I would say, no, I wanted to be a, a, like a jockey for a horse race, and that's what I trained for. I'm just kidding. Anyways, um, and so, but yes, I played in, so in high school, I played basketball and golf. Those were my two favorite sports. I played others, but those were the two that I, that I liked and played and was okay at. Um, and um, the thing that was interesting about me um, is that I loved to practice. I liked practice. I liked going to practice. I like practicing golf. Like with golf, I just try to hit shots that I just want to see if, can I make it go around the tree? You know, can I make it skip across the water? Can I make it go under this and over that? And so I work on how you hit shots with trajectories and can I make it bend left or, you know, we call it draw or fade if you're a golfer. If you're not, I'll, I'll use layman's term. We make it go this way and go that way. And, um, and so I just like to do that. And with basketball, I just like to try shots and practice free throws and, and all that stuff. And I remember I was talking to my coach one time and, and, um, and we were talking about practice and, um, and, you know, I think he was saying, you know, good job straight or something. And I said, well, yeah, you know, coach, you know, practice makes perfect. And he said, no, straight, actually practice makes permanent. He said, however you practice, whatever you practice, that is what develops the muscle memory in your body. So if you practice the wrong things, it's going to make them permanent just as you practice the right things. And so the way you get perfect is you understand that practice makes permanent before it ever gets to perfect. 
And when I read this text, I thought about that conversation because Jesus has given us an illustration of a house that stands permanently. And he's saying the way you get a house to stand is whoever hears these sayings and puts them into practice makes permanent. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about building a life that will not fail. And the secret of building a life that will not fail is in the practice. We're going to talk about foundations. How many know you don't dig a foundation when there's a storm? (laughs) Just like you can't practice in the championship game. You only get one shot at the buzzer beater. Come on, somebody. And so I want you to write this down. Join with me as we talk about this. We're going to have fun today. But the first thing I want you to write down is your life can't support itself. Like I want most of us understand this. Like you have to have air. You're not self-sustaining. You have to have air. You have to have food. You have to have water. You have to have all these things. Um, but the point that Jesus is making in this text is we have all of a sudden we have these two builders and there's some commonalities and comparisons that are being made. And the things that these builders have in common, number one is they're both builders. Number two is they both have the same goal to build a, a house. I like that he used the word house because it's general enough that you can apply it to a lot of different um, areas of life, if you will, or, or a lot of different uh, categories um, but when you, when you say house, I mean, you can be the house of God. You can talk about the house as a nation. Um, but more specifically, you can talk about like the house of David, meaning the house is a family. And so you can talk about building your family, building your house. You can talk about building your life. But so we have two builders. They have the same goal. They want to build a house. They have the same materials, the word of God. They fall prey to the same storm, if you will. Um, and, and they both have to have a foundation. And I think this is the first point we need to make almost is since your life can't sustain itself, it means here's something everyone in here has in common right now. All of you have a foundation your life is based on. Your life is standing on something today. It's not a question of if you have a foundation, it's a question of what is that foundation? And will that foundation hold up to the next storm? Both of these builders had a foundation. And just because we know your life isn't sustaining, I'm telling you, you have a foundation as well. And and I thought about, I thought about foundations and and I thought about this text. And and one of the things that's always bothered me about the text um, is is the, the guy built his house on the sand. Because I thought this illustration might've been growing up about a smart man and a stupid man. I don't mean that disrespectfully. I'm just saying, would anyone in here, let's just watch it online, play along. Would anyone in here, would anyone in here say, you know what, I'm going to build me a house and I'm going to build it on the sand. That seems like a great idea. That should hold up. Like no one would think that way. No one would intentionally build your life on something that you thought was going to fall down. And so we used to sing that song growing up. I don't know if you went to my church. Some of you, have, sometimes when I have these flashbacks to children's church, I find out some of you went to my church. But, but we used to sing this song, don't build your house on the sandy land. Don't build it too near the shore. Oh, it might be kind of nice, but you'll have to build it twice. 
You'll have to build your house once more. Come on. You better build your house upon the rock. Oh, I know the most. Don't mess with me. I was raised in church. And I remember we would talk about this passage and we would sing our song and I would think, why is that man so dumb? What idiot? Like, I'm six. And I know you don't build a house on sand. But when you get into the culture and the context, remember Jesus on the Mount of Beatitudes, which is the northwestern shore of the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is fed by the Jordan River. The Jordan River obviously starts up north at Hebron, runs to the Sea of Galilee, through the Sea of Galilee, down to the Red Sea. Um, and and so, so Jesus has his backdrop, the Jordan River Basin, Jordan River Valley, if you will. And the Jordan River normally, in, in most seasons, it's not an out of control torrential river. You don't whitewater raft the Jordan River. Um, but there are seasons during the rainy season when it floods. And when it floods, it starts moving all this sediment around. And then when it goes inside its banks, you now have this soil um, on the banks and in the basin where it was out of its banks called alluvial soil. And alluvial soil um, is mixed, it's different, uh, you know, different particles of sand and, and gravel and clay. And when it dries out, it gets really hard and it feels really firm. But it's really not compressed and compacted and it's not as steadfast and steady as it may feel or look. And so when Jesus is teaching with that as his backdrop, or in the background, probably everyone there thought to themselves, you know what? I knew a guy who built a house right over there. He got washed away. And so what he was talking about, he was talking about foundations that look good, that seem steady. But it's not until the rain and the storm comes that you find out how many know storms expose foundations. And you can think you built on something that was solid until the rain comes and until the wind blows. And so he is talking to people and he's saying, you need, you need ocean. You need somebody to come inspect your foundation to make sure that what you're building on is strong enough to hold up what you're trying to build. You need to make sure you built on the rock. And I thought about, I thought about different, um, different foundations that, that we have. And so I got this analogy. I thought, okay, here's my life, right? And here's my life. And I need to hang my life up here so that it will hold. And then I got this box of nails because I thought these are like different foundations, different things that, that I could use to try to hold my life up. And I thought this is sometimes what we do because, you know, like some people say, you know what, if, if you get, you know what, if you get your financial plan just right. Because how many know foundations that falter it's not that they're bad things. It's just they're things that were never intended to support the weight of your life. You better put a fire emoji in the chat right now. <laughs> it's things that we base our life on that weren't necessarily bad. 
They were just never intended to hold your life. They were never intended or designed to hold your life up. And, and we think if I get the right relationship, then I'll weather any storm. If I get the right financial advisor and financial plan, um, then I'll weather every storm. And I thought about things we, like if I get my education, like if I get this doctorate, man, if I get my master's, I, if I could build my life on, on, on my education or, or how about today, status, like, oh, if I get to that neighborhood, if I have that house, if I have one of those cars, man, that car right there, that neighborhood right there, that position, that business, if I get the right stat, if I get into that neighborhood, people are going to know I got stuff to get through. <laughs> you know, it's interesting enough, the people that Jesus is talking about, you know what, you know what they were hanging their life on? Religion. Oh man, if I get the do's right and the don'ts right, right? If, if I get religion right, if I check all the boxes, if I do all the stuff, he's talking to Orthodox Jews. People, people who were schooled in religion, literally since they were kids. And the sad thing is, their textbook pointed to a Messiah that was 10 feet in front of him and they couldn't find him because they were trusting so much in their ability to do right and wrong. And if I do all the right, then that will hold me up. And if I don't do the wrong, then because everybody knows if I do good, good will happen to me. And, and I thought about how, how we, we build our lives on things that, and, and even sometimes ourself, like I'll just, I don't believe in anything or anybody. I'll just sustain myself. I'll just do life my way. My way is the best way. And I thought about how sometimes we, we, we pick a foundation or we end up with a foundation that was, that, that although maybe it wasn't bad, it just, it just never was necessarily designed to support the weight of our life. And so, and so we choose our foundation status like, oh man, you know how, how many Instagram followers I have now? I'm going to be a social media influencer. That means I eat Doritos on social media and get paid for it. Guys, it's a real thing, by the way. I didn't make that up. Right? And we think, man, if I get 5,000 followers, I can monetize my site or my social media, or man, if I just, if I get into this group or if I get into that neighborhood and we think, oh man, I had picked, I had picked my, it, ooh, it, mm, I can hang my life on that. Man, look at that. It's holding right there. I, whoa, easy. <laughs> it's holding right there. And, and Jesus said, it might look like it's holding, but then there's going to come a storm. And, and that storm could be any number of things. Because that storm can be an addiction. It can be a layoff. It can be a divorce. It can be a sickness. I mean, there's, he said, there's going to be a storm. It can be COVID. But he said, there's going to be a storm coming. 
And, and, and sometimes the truth is we won't know how good our foundation is until the storm comes. And so we have built our house on something that looked like a good idea. It seemed really firm. But what we learned, a lot of us learned last year, is sometimes you don't know how good a foundation you have until a storm comes. And then the storm comes. How many want to hold the... Anybody want to come sit underneath it? Just checking for volunteers. It's a trust fall. And then, and then the storm comes. And sometimes, you know, this is what I found. Sometimes it looks like it's holding, but remember what Jesus said? He said that storm is violent. And remember, the winds are going to beat on it. <laughs> are we paid up on our workman's comp? I just want to, anyways. And so the storm comes. And unfortunately, after the wind and after the rain, we find out that what we build our life on was never designed to hold the weight of our life. You know what else is crazy about alluvial soil is, and I already alluded to this, but it's a mixture. It, it does have some rock in it, but it's also got some sand and clay. And I wonder if some people, if some people thought they built their house on something, but the truth is what they built their house on was a mixture of God's word and worldly ideas. Or, or maybe it was a mixture of submitting God's word to the world and to culture. Now some of you, oh, I've never do that. But hey, listen, this is what we do this. We do this stuff all the time. People do this all the time because the word of God says, but then we choose to do something else. And there are even people that I don't believe that part of the Bible, but I'm a follower of Jesus. And I don't believe that means what it says it means, but I'm a follower of Jesus. And it's all of a sudden like, like, um, like, <laughs> like the Bible is a menu at your favorite restaurant where you can order what you want, cut whatever you want, and just have it the way you want. Right? Like I'll have a number four, you know, cut the pickles, cut the tomatoes, cut the lettuce. Yeah, I just want me cheese. <laughs> so, and so Jesus talking to him, and he's like, listen, your life was not, your life was not designed to hold itself up, meaning you have built your life on something. And you know the people I have the greatest burden for in this series right now are the people that have mixed that, that have mixed God's word with your desires, or God's word with the voice of culture, or God's word with the way of the world. And you think you're standing on something solid when the truth is there is some rock there, but there's also sand and clay, and you won't know until the flood comes. Because you, listen to me, you, <laughs> you are building your life on something. You have foundation. Here's the second thing. Write this down. Your life is only as strong as what holds it. 
See, we talked about all the commonality, all the similarities between, between these two guys and everything. The only, really the only difference at all is what they chose as their foundation. One of them chose sand and one of them chose rock. One of them chose something that was rated, that was strong enough to hold it up. See what I have over here, I have this thing ironically called an anchor. We have this hope as the anchor of our soul. And, and you know what's crazy about this? This doesn't even look as strong as this. Isn't it funny how perspective is? Like this looks so much stronger than this. But this is rated for five times the weight of the storm that we just hung on this. It's rated for more than the life and the storm will actually weigh. And you know what, Jesus, you know what's crazy about his teaching? He doesn't offer any, any other choice or option for foundation. He says, there's one that will hold your life up. He doesn't say, well, here are the top five, right? Or if you have a little rock, as long as you have a little rock in there, it doesn't matter how much sand you pour in there as well. No, no, no. Jesus says there's only one thing, one thing that will hold your life up. And that's the word of God. Isaiah said the flowers fade, right? And, and he says, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. Jesus said, heaven and earth pass away, but my word will stand forever. Peter says the word of God will remain, meaning it will not fail. It will not change. It will not weaken. There is only one thing that you can build your life on that was designed, hear me, that was designed to support the weight of your life because the foundation matters. Like when we were, when we were pouring the slab in the new, in the new building, um, I remember I went out there one day before we poured the slab and there was a big hole in the ground. This massive hole. And I was like, I didn't know we were building a lake. And, and of course, I knew what it was. What it was, was we had to actually dig down to, to, get, to get into something that was strong enough to support all the weight we were gonna pile on it. See, that's the thing. The foundation has to be strong enough to support whatever you're gonna build upon it and then some. And the problem is some of us are trying to build a skyscraper life on a chicken coop foundation. And then we wonder why it looks like the Leaning Tower of Pisa. The Leaning Tower of Pisa is not an architectural marvel. It's a mistake. It's a miscalculation about foundation. Pisa is a marsh. So they built it and then it went, you know what I'm saying? And I'm afraid some of us, our life looks a little bit like that. Like the old V8 commercial. Remember where they used to walk in? Do y'all remember that? If you don't, they used to walk in crooked like this. They haven't had a V8. You know, somehow the V8 made... Anyways, maybe that's what the Lean Tower Pisa needs, a V8. Um, but some of us... <laughs> some of us, our life is leaning because we have built it on something that was not rated to support the weight of our life. According to Paul, there is only one foundation, no other foundation. He said to the Corinthians, first Corinthians three, no other foundation can anyone lay that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. There's one foundation that won't fail. It's the word of God. 
build your life on anything else. It may look sturdy today, but sooner or later, there's going to be a big enough storm. And that's what Jesus is trying to tell us. And that's, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem. There is foundation competition. Right? There's foundation. I remember uh, uh, we were building a house one time and I was building a house and so I had to get bids for, for concrete. And I remember looking at the bids and they were all competing to be my foundation. And so all of a sudden I was like, I want to go see houses and buildings you've built. I want, you know, I want some reference. Like I, before I let you pour my foundation, I want to know that you know what you're doing, that there's a foundation. But you know, I thought about this. There are, th- this, is the, this is the, can I tell you, it's the work of the enemy is he tries to show you other foundations that look strong. And it goes all the way back. Remember last, last week we were talking about um, word wars and how the enemy will flood us. And I was thinking about what he told Eve because what he told Eve essentially was foundation competition. Because Eve and Adam had built their life on the word of God. We can eat of any tree of the garden, but the one tree in the midst of the garden we will not eat of so we don't die. And they held to the word of God. And as long as they held to the word of God, their life was strong. But then came the enemy and he said, did God really say, oh, it's not really going to kill you, right? (laughs) No, no, no. It's going to make you more like God. You're going to be happier. It's going to be better. It's really the thing that's going to hold your life up. And, And here's the thing. When Eve saw that it was good for food, pleasant to the eyes and good to make one wise. And I'm telling you, that's the same thing the enemy does with foundations. When it looks good to our flesh, when it looks good to our eyes, and when it sounds like good wisdom. I had a man ask me one time, he said, Pastor, I got laid off and I just got my last check. Do you think I should tithe? And, and I said to him, I said, um, it would certainly make sense not to. This is a scary time. But I guess you have to decide is, do you trust the promise of God's word over the present reality of your circumstance? Because this is the craziest time to trust God in that way. I'll give you that. And it's scary. I'll give you that. And it doesn't feel like there's a safety net. I'll give you that. I remember when we started the church and I remember we weren't getting paid, didn't have any money, didn't have anything. And I remember, I remember thinking that, that financial security was a good foundation until the Holy Spirit spoke to me one day. I was praying. Well, let me be honest. I was griping. And because sometimes, do y'all get them confused? I do sometimes. I mean, I'm just to be honest. We got to keep it real. And so I was prayerfully griping and, and the Lord, all of a sudden he told me, he said, Hey, so you think your paycheck is what provides for you? I'm like, why you got to say that? <laughs> why you got to be that way? And sometimes we, we, we get, I mean, it made sense not to tithe. It made sense. And this is where the enemy gets us. <laughs> what makes sense? Because there's a lot of God's word that doesn't make sense to do. It doesn't make sense. There's a lot of God's word that is counterculture that goes against the flow, that, that goes against what everybody else believes. But what, what Jesus is telling us, what Jesus is telling us is there's something rated for more than your life will ever weigh. 
You know what else is, um, Luke says it, Luke 6, 48, Jesus said it in Luke 6, he didn't say it in Matthew 7, but it's the same illustration. But when he talks about it in Luke 6, 48, he says, they're like a man building a house, and he puts this in there, who dug deep, who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And what I thought of, you know, sometimes it's just harder to build your life on the word of God. It just is because people may criticize you. They may scrutinize you. It's also, have you ever, and I don't know if you've ever tried this, but when the kids were little and we go to the beach, you know, they want to make sand castles. You know, that's a fun thing. Make sand castles, you know, get sand everywhere and you take sand home with you and it's just wonderful. And um, not really. And, um, and so we would build, but have you ever tried to dig in sand? Have you noticed as soon as you dig it out, it just it falls back in? And I thought, is this not like it is living today, trying to live your, word, your life on the word of God? Because you're sitting here digging and it just keeps filling back in. And you're digging and social media is telling you this. And you're digging and the news is telling you this and TV's telling you this and culture's telling you this and, and you're digging, right? And it just keeps telling you, hey, don't worry about digging. Build your life on status and build your life on education. Build your life on a financial plan. Get the Robin Hood app. Because I want to invest my money in something that's named after a thief. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and, and I thought, man, it is just hard work sometimes to get all the stuff out of the way so you can get to the rock that is Jesus. But here's why you keep digging. And you keep digging through those layers of what seems right and what looks right and what feels right. You keep digging through those layers because once you get to the rock, there's a guarantee it will hold your life up. Here's the third thing. This is the most important point. So you made it this far. Good job, team. (laughs) Your life isn't sustained by hearing, but by doing. I think this is the biggest misconception with believers is that your life is not sustained by hearing the word of God. That's not what holds your life up. Like what you're doing today is great, but this won't hold your life up. Hearing the word of God doesn't actually Hold your life up. That's not what the foundation was. You want to read it again? Here we go. Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Hearing doesn't make permanent. Practice makes permanent. Practice. Putting them into, and I think this is the problem because here I have, here I have a life And here I have God's word. Well, I'm not using one of the wrong foundations. I don't know what the problem is. I mean, I've got the, I heard the Bible. I got, it's on my, man, it's on my nightstand. I got the YouVersion app. Like, I don't really know I me. Mean, like, here, are y'all following me? Like, here's the Bible. Here's my life. Like, I've got the Bible. I wonder if there's a 30-day return policy on the Bible. I don't It's not. It's not. But here's what, here's what Jesus said. He said, your foundation is not the information you receive. 
Your foundation is in the application, not the information. In fact, can I tell you, I think this is the scariest thing to believers right now is there are people in this room because you have a life and you have a Bible and you memorize a few scriptures, you think that you're building on the rock. But building on the rock is not how much Bible you know, it is how much Bible you do. Jesus said, do truth. This is John 3. Do truth. He who, he who comes to the light does truth. Does truth. Do truth. Truth isn't something I know. Listen, you understand the difference between knowledge and applied knowledge, between wisdom and applied wisdom. It's the application of the word of God that makes a difference. It's not having the word of God. It's not even knowing the word of God. I've had people as a pastor look at me and say, pastor, I know what the word of God says. I'm not going to do it. I'm like, okay, that sounds like a great plan. I'll wait for you at the bottom. And we'll have the conversation. We'll have the conversation again. So the question then is, well, how do I build? How do I build on the word of God? It's the application. I have to hear it. That's the first part. That's very, very true. I have to hear it. But then I actually have to do it. I have to actually apply it. That's what makes the difference. So, so it is true, I gotta hear it. And some people are in danger of not building your house on the rock because you don't hear it. That's true, there's a lot of people not hearing the word of God, not making yourself available to the word of God, not reading the word of God. Not, I mean, how, like today, if you wanna hear the word of God, it should be so easy. I mean, I think I've got 800 messages you can listen to just online for me, not to mention all the eight other billion people who preach better than me that have more messages than me. There's a lot of places you can hear the word. You got a Bible app, you got Bible Bibles everywhere. You can hear the word of God, but listen, you have to, you have to avail yourself to the word of God and it's too late to do it. When the storm comes, you can't dig a foundation when it's raining. So you got to hear it, but then, but then you got to do it. Then you have to do it. You have to apply the word of God. Here's what James said. James said in, in James 1.22, he said, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And can I tell you, some people have foundation deception because they had the word of God and they didn't do it. They think they're building their life on the word of God because they can quote a scripture or two. And the truth is your life is not built on the word you know. Your life is built on the word you do. Amen. It's the foundation that makes the difference. It's the application that makes it, makes it last, that makes it work. And once you have, once you have the application correct, that's when you're like, like now I've applied it. Like I had the word of God, but now I've applied it. Uh, there we go. Now I've applied the word of God and oh man, we got something that'll hold me up now. Right? And then the storm comes, but I've applied the word of God. Right? And, and where the word of God said that, that, um, that I should trust in the Lord, 
I've been practicing trusting in the Lord because I practice it so that I can perform it when it counts. So I start practicing trusting in God in the little things. So when I do lose my job, I'm still trusting God in the big things. Are, are you with me? And I practice forgiving people when they do little things so that when I really get hurt, then I can forgive my enemies and I can love those who treat me wrong. So I practice love over here to prepare for the storm that's coming. Oh, come on now. Practice makes permanent. So I'm practicing the word of God when there isn't a storm because there's a storm coming. And once the storm comes, it's too late to practice. It's game time, baby. And this is why I want to hear the word of God before a storm. And I want to practice the word of God before a storm because I can't practice what I don't know. And I can't do what I haven't heard. And so I want, I want to practice the word of God and I want to forgive others. I want to love my enemies and I want to use whatever gift I have to serve others because that's practicing the word of God. And then when the storm comes, uh, it will hold. And no matter how many wind and waves beat against this thing, it's going to stand because it's founded on the rock. And so I want to practice. When the Bible says, seek first the kingdom, I want to seek the kingdom first. I want to try to practice that every day. When the Bible talks about relationships, I want to practice the way the Bible talks about relationships. When the Bible talks about sex, I want to practice the way the Bible talks about sex because the Bible tells you how to have the best sex in the world. You don't believe me? It does. It's a different series. <laughs> and when the Bible talks about finances, and it says things like bring the tithe into the storehouse, and then it says, prove me with this, the only place where God says you can test it. And I meet people all the time, God, God, I just need God to bless me financially. Pastor, I need a financial breakthrough. And listen, I know how hard it is as one human being to another to trust God in new areas in our life. But you got to put them all into practice so they become permanent. You know, no matter what I go through, no matter what hardships I've gone through, and I've gone through some, and when I went through financial hardships, listen to me, I just kept on tithing. You know why? Because I've been tithing 20 some years. It's permanent because I practiced it. I forgive people really quickly. You know why? Because I practiced it. And so when the Bible tells me to do so, and still, as much as I've read the Bible and studied the Bible, there's things I've read this week. I'm like, oh man, I need to practice that. I need to put that into practice. Right? Because I like the grace of that word practice. I know it's not, I mean, that's the way the NIV interpreted the Greek, but I like the idea because there's some grace with it. Because now it's about the heart. I'm just trying to do the Word of God. I'm practicing Jesus. I'm not there yet, but I'm practicing. I'm going to try to forgive. I'm going to work on it today, Jesus. I'm going to try to love. I'm going to try to serve. I'm going to join a serve team because it's time for me to get off my blessed assurance and help somebody else out, Jesus. I'm going to try. I'm going to practice what the Word of God says.
I'm going to practice what it says about relationships or I'm going to practice what it's God, I may not get it all right the first, but I'm going to, I like the grace of it. And what happens is the more you practice it, the more sturdy your life gets. The more you practice it, the more sturdy it gets. Listen, I, I want you to have a life that will stand no matter what the storm is. And all I can say is Jesus told us how, and I'm trying to tell you what he said, and that is this. Practice makes permanent. If you want a house that will stand, you're going to have to put into practice what he says. And typically it's too late to practice in a storm. That's kind of the test. Are you with me? I'm telling you, you can build a life that will not fail. But it's not based on the foundation that looks right. And it's not even based on the word of God that you hear. The foundation that will not fail you is the word of God that you do. It's what you put into practice. And you put it into practice, it'll make permanent. And you'll live a life that will not fail. Amen. Can you give Jesus praise today for the word of God? <laughs> Why don't you stand with me? Father, thank you so much for the word of God. God, that you, you have shown us and told us how we can win, how we can succeed, how we can stand, how we can build a life that will stand up to the storms, to the wind, to the rain. God, today I'm just praying we'll take you at your word. Now listen, I have a bold prayer I want everyone to pray today. It's a bold prayer. Even if you're online, listen, play along. Don't turn off the stream. But right now in this moment of prayer, I'm gonna ask you if you're bold enough, if you would pray this, and that is just simply, God, what is the word that I need to practice today? Just say, God, I want you to tell me, what do I need to put into practice from your word today? What do I need to do to be a doer of the word? And maybe that's make a phone call and forgive somebody. And maybe that's sign up to join a serve team. And maybe that's go home and have a long talk with your husband or wife. And maybe it's to start giving. Maybe it's, it could be any number of things. But what is the word you need to put into practice today? Because one thing's for sure, according to Jesus, there's a storm coming for everybody. No matter what your foundation is, there's a storm coming. So God, we just pray you speak to every person. Every person. And with our heads bowed right now, we're just listening for the Holy Spirit to speak to us. But I want to talk with our heads bowed to anyone that may be in this room or watching online. And you need a relationship with Jesus. I'm not saying you need a, a church service or you may have been to church. You may have prayed a prayer. You may have read your Bible. You may have been baptized. I don't know. All those are wonderful things, but that's not a relationship with Jesus. Those are certainly things that we do because we have a relationship with Jesus, but that's not having a relationship with Jesus. That, it may be kind of like Jesus' audience. You, you, you look churchy on the outside, but on the inside, you know you're not really following Jesus the way that you need to or feel like you should, or maybe you've never, never decided to follow Jesus. You've just always kind of done it your way. Whatever it is, no guilt, no condemnation. I just want to pray for you.
And so if you're in this room or you're watching online, I'm gonna ask you to do something. It's not for me, it's really for you, it's for God. But, but if you're here and you're like, I need a relationship with Jesus, you may say, how would I know? Well, the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit draws us. And so if you feel something on the inside, a stirring or an unsettling or maybe an inner voice just telling you that's what you need, come to me, whatever it might be saying, you feel that nudge sometimes, what I call it. That's just the Holy Spirit saying, hey, he's talking to you, this is for you. And so if that's you, whether you're in this room or online, I'm gonna ask you to do something. And that is this, if that's you, you feel like I need a relationship with Jesus, I just want you to lift your hand up. If you're in your living room by yourself, I just want you to lift your hand up and say, God, here I am. I need a relationship with you. Yeah, God bless you, awesome. And at home, lift your hand up and say, God, here I am. And then we're gonna pray together. If you lifted your hand, you would make, it's, it's really just a declaration of faith. It's something like this. You put it in your words, but it's something like this. God, I believe in your son, Jesus Christ. I believe that he did die and he did rise again, just like he said. I believe he did that for me so that I could know you, so that I could be forgiven, so that I could have life. God, that's my decision today. I choose you. I choose forgiveness. I choose life. And I ask you, God, to help me to follow you for the rest of my days on this planet. In Jesus' name. And God, I pray right now for those who have just prayed with you and to you, God, I pray they would sense you, they would hear you, they would know you, you'd reveal yourself to them. God, that you would transform their life help them, God, to truly follow you. We thank you for it. If you, um, if you pray that prayer, we want to we connect with you, and you can do that at My Pathway Connect. You can text that and let us know. Also, I'm going to invite our prayer team to come, and if you lifted your hand, and we would love to pray with you, we like to end our worship experience by praying with anyone that needs prayer for anything. And so these people are safe people. If you need prayer, you need encouragement, walking through something difficult, whatever it may be, um, maybe don't feel well. We want to pray with you. And if you lifted your hand, we want to pray with you. And so if you lifted your hand, you can text uh, my pathway prayer to 77977 and you're like from home, you're not in this room. We have a way to pray with you that way. Someone can actually call you and pray with you over the phone. And so my pathway prayer 77977. Uh, listen, we love all of you. You're amazing. Make sure you get squared away for Compassion Week, right? Let's take over the world. Let's make it a better place. Let's love our neighbor, right? Um, Listen, I love you. Father, thank you so much for this amazing group of believers in this room and online. God, you have put together some incredible people. I just pray you would bless them. And God, help us all to build our house on the Word of God, to put it into practice, because practice makes permanent. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Yeah, you can give Jesus one more praise. (laughs) Yeah. Listen, we love you. God bless you. We'll see you next weekend.